It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with certified financial planners Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and friends, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Do you have confidence in your financial life? Confidence that you could take on your financial goals while also being prepared for the unexpected, either emergency or opportunity? Well, if not, we'll help you build that confidence today. That and more on today's episode. That's right. We actually have several questions we're going to be hitting in the second half of the program. Some about today's kind of headliner topic and then uh, several others that we've gotten from fans of the show. We get most of the questions through social media. So you'll find us wherever you're at uh, on social media. You'll find us there. Just search The Wise Money Show. And whether that's the YouTube channel or Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, uh, just find us there. Submit questions there. You can call or text us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Leave questions that way. And then online as well. Just uh, go to wisemoneyshow.com. Submit a question right there on the right. All right. So a lot of financial planning is really the study of, of, of how human behavior intersects with uh, financial uh, your, your financial situation. And so it's sort of your your financial behavior, if you will. And so we are geeks and study financial behavior. And a recent study came out that caught my attention. And it was that the average millionaire, so someone that has a million dollars of invested money, they tend to have more cash than the average person. And that caught me by surprise. You'd think, well, the average millionaire probably puts all their money to work on interest and growth and all of that but they actually have more cash than the average person. And it got me thinking about a podcast that I heard a while ago talking about a financial confidence account and how these millionaires then tend to uh, be make certain decisions because they have more financial confidence. So guys, what's a, what's a financial confidence account? Well, I, I think that's a catchy phrase for an emergency fund or a rainy day fund, yeah. right? It's it's your way of planning ahead for the ex, the expectation that there's going to be unexpected things, if that makes any yeah. sense at all, right? And uh, we we don't want to get caught off guard when life rocks your boat, throws you a curveball, whatever metaphor you want to use. But it's going to happen in your financial life. You can you can be the best planner on the planet and still have things that are going to catch you by surprise. And so planning ahead for those things. I think is is one of the disciplines that maybe sets some of those millionaires apart from the average Joe. The the certainty of uncertainty, and and do you have the ah the guts or the courage or maybe even discipline to prepare for that uncertainty in in advance? You know, not only does it brace you for those curveballs or whatever else, but it helps you maximize opportunities or identify and not hesitate on opportunities. And Josh, you and I, we were just reflecting on that this morning, uh, that you know, this year has been quite the dichotomy of 
uh, you know, of everything is crumbling, you better, um, you know, not do anything, to all of a sudden there was panic buying. There was uh-huh. panic buying in Wall Street, panic buying at the hardware store, panic buying of houses. And you obviously don't want to be in either one of those extremes of panic selling or panic buying. But as opportunities arose, if you had financial confidence, you didn't hesitate. You just jumped on those opportunities. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, some of the saddest stories that I've ever seen are folks who jump on an opportunity, but they're really not ready for them. They've overextended themselves. Mm -hmm. Maybe they bought too much house because it seemed like a sweet deal at the time. Or maybe they jumped into a business opportunity or an investment opportunity, but they didn't have a foundation built. They didn't have um, kind of a safety net in place so that if if they've miscalculated in any way Mm -hmm. or if, if those surprises do pop up, they don't have to start liquidating those same investments that were such a dream opportunity and maybe have a fire sale that creates an even bigger opportunity for the next person. Yeah. Yeah, when I think about financial confidence, in my mind, that doesn't come from an account. Financial confidence comes from knowing where you're going mm-hmm. and it, it, and understanding what it is you have and what it is you're trying to do and knowing that the plan that you have will work. And it's interesting because we work with folks on all, all different ends of the spectrum, but we work with lots of folks that have plenty of money. And they've got confidence. And I've, I've also met with folks that had tons of confidence and no plan. And they've said, hey, look, I've got, I've got enough money. I don't really have to have a plan. Mm-hmm. So maybe the one of the spouses might say that, but the other spouse says, yeah, but it'd be really nice if we had a plan. <laughs> you can guess which is which. Um, the, the, the same one that says we don't need a plan is the same one that refuses to ask for directions <laughs> while he's driving. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, any, but I, think, I think financial confidence is not necessarily found in an account, but when you think, what if, what, what's, a, what's a pivot foot? What if, what, if, what if I had some strength so that I knew that whatever whatever small things I was trying to do, I was not going to put myself in a financial bind that it, it's kind of like when you play Monopoly because if you buy the house but you ha- end up having to sell it back to the bank, the bank only gives you half what you paid for it. And that is, that, that's the thing that I love about playing Monopoly and I love playing with my kids because you can see if you get overextended, you are going to be on the losing end of that transaction. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I'm glad that you're kind of pointing to having a plan. Uh, Mike, you opened the show explaining that um, you know this is, this is a show about financial discipline or financial habits, financial behaviors. And, um, you know, you you get the right habits going in the right direction long enough, and that is a confidence builder, regardless of how many dollars are in the bank account. Yeah. So I I agree with you, Kevin, that, um, you know, confidence doesn't come from a certain uh, size bank account or, or size resources. Sometimes it's just the habit of knowing that you have enough margin in your life to absorb an emergency, 
Maybe you can, uh, I think you use the word pivot. Maybe you can make a quick adjustment in your, in your cash flow from month to month because you haven't obligated yourself to all kinds of bills or debt payments, that sort of thing. So um, some of those same disciplines, those same habits that can give you confidence that you have flexibility, they're also the same habits that it takes to build up an emergency fund. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're going to talk about that here in just, just a second. Several questions connected to this. How do you get one in place if you don't have one already? Uh, what are the best practices of having an emergency fund? Is a Roth IRA a good stu- substitute? Should you invest it? Um, we're going to get into all that. But I, I, I want to go back to here, here we are in the fall, potentially second wave. I don't, I don't think we have to say potentially anymore. It might look different than than things in the spring, but there was a study, and we talked about this on the show. There was a study done in the spring about the average person's greatest financial regret growing going into the pandemic. You guys remember what it was? Not having yeah, enough cash, yeah. not having an emergency mm-hmm. fund in place, and and that's interesting. I would have thought the the number one regret would have been, um, you know not selling or not buying Tesla or not selling <laughs> Tesla or I can't remember, depending on the day. Um, but not getting to Costco faster than my neighbor who <laughs> took the last roll. That's right. Not stocking <laughs> up on toilet paper. Uh, but, but yeah, so it was, it was this very principle we're talking about. And it was, I wanted to have some more cash going into this great time of uncertainty. And so we want to help you with that today. That To me, that does help breed financial confidence. So we've got best practices, lots of questions we're going to be answering. Coming up, that and more on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Do you have financial confidence? And we're talking about building a financial confidence account. Now, Kevin said earlier, uh, overall financial confidence doesn't just come from one account. It comes from um, having the clarity of where you're at in your overall financial situation, where you're going, and that you're on track. And that comes from working with a certified financial planner. But we're talking about that today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike Bernard here with me in the KFG Studios. Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Make sure you you connect to everything Wise Money. Stay up to date on all content online, wisemoneyshow.com. Check us out there. And then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show, follow us there, and engage with the show that way. Okay, so what are some best practices for having a financial confidence account? Or, Kevin, what else is on your mind? You're giving no, me that look. Well, no, no, no. I, I, I like this. I, I think... The, the quality of the answer is going to be based on the quality of the question because it's too it, much pressure, Kevin. D- no, <laughs> no. So, <laughs> so here's the thing. So it's, it, do I, do I need an account? And no, you need us, you need a strategy because the question is when I make money, what should I do with it? And when I make money, how much of that money do I have to use? And I would think, so we're, we're talking to a broad swath of folks today, and I'd say, look, if you're just getting started and you're making money, you, you might have very little of that to use until you've put certain things in place. And so one of the things that you need to put in place that's going to give you, uh, a, a, put you in a great position 
to be able to do incredible things is to have a three bank account system. We've talked about that before, but you you need to have a strategy and you need to have some money set aside. And once those those th- three bank accounts are filled up, then you can start doing some other things. So I would think in terms of, okay, early on, I it might be most of the money, especially if I don't have meaningful obligations, if I'm living at home or whatnot, I might want to save almost all of the money I have for a season to put myself in a position where I'm 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 worry free. I'm not a I'm not one paycheck away from financial devastation. Okay, so I'm I'm hearing one best practice is is you want to have this in place early on. It should be one of your first priorities. Maybe not your first priority, but it should be one of your first priorities. Get this thing in place so that then you can navigate um, the financial road ahead. Yeah, I, I think an emergency fund is one of the foundational um, preparations that you put in place early on in your in your working career, early on in your marriage, potentially. Um, this is this is what allows you to have the confidence to go do the other things, the building for the future, you know, adding to retirement accounts, that sort of thing, getting really aggressive on debt. Yeah. Um, you know, this is your first line of defense, if you will. But if, if I was going to give you some best practices that come to my mind, um, I believe that your emergency fund needs to be segregated from other accounts. That's right. I wouldn't just keep it in the checking. I, I, a, a big checking account, in my opinion, isn't an emergency fund. It's just too easy to take the money out. That's right. I, I don't want you looking at your emergency fund thinking, well, a portion of this is for the next car and a portion of this is our emergency vacation that we're going to take next spring. <laughs> emergency you know, vacation. You have emergency <laughs> trips to Disney every, every oh, so often, I don't, know don't you? that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, your emergency fund. In fact, I, uh, this again, this is just my personal practice. I keep it in a totally separate bank even Hmm. because when I log into my checking account or our savings for intended, um, purchases or, or known expenses on the horizon, we call that bucket number two delayed spending account. Those two accounts, the checking and the savings, those are the in and out active accounts that we manage our life with. I don't want to see the emergency fund um, also there because I don't want to have this temptation that often people have where you, you're like, man, there, there's a chunk of cash there. Maybe we could get a little little more loose with the spending. Maybe we yeah. could stretch ourselves and, and do more with cash than even we should be. So segregating the money, keeping the emergency dollars in kind of a lockbox off-site, um, you almost forget that it's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's ideal, in my opinion. I, I would agree with that. It, it, I don't know if it needs to be at a separate institution, but I do definitely believe it needs to be in a separate account. Uh, here's another best practice. Um, I wouldn't invest it. it the, the money, the, your emergency fund should be FDIC insured. And so why is that? It Doesn't the stock market go up over time so you're giving up some gains? Yeah, you, you are giving up some gains. But is it possible you can have a financial emergency at the same time the stock market is having an emergency? Yes. And for those of you with financial amnesia, like all of us, that just <laughs> happened in March, by the way, that at a time when we had record unemployment and paychecks were going down and all of that craziness was happening, the stock market dropped its fastest drop from an all-time high in history. And so there wasn't even 
time to react, to say, oh, this money was invested. I actually might need it. Let me sell it real quick. And so I wouldn't, out of principle, I wouldn't invest it. I'd have it FDIC insured. Yeah, keeping it safe is important. This money is not there to make you wealthy. It's to keep you from being poor, right? And, and, and I would actually argue, though, that for, for many clients that I work with that are very risk averse, the emergency fund is what gives them the ability to go grow other assets. That's exactly right. Gives them that confidence that it, we've been it, talking it about. Seems, it seems counterintuitive, but having that safety net, having that, that buffer allows you to not cringe when we say you shouldn't be inv- you should be investing 15% towards 401k you might say what 15 15% i don't that i don't have a lot of wiggle room there um, but if you have that financial confidence account built if you have an emergency fund built and you're just, hey yeah i can go headlong towards my goals absolutely yeah i i think when when you think about segregating the accounts Josh i think that's that is a great plan um, especially when you think, okay, bank account number one is the inflow outflow. The nice thing about having the other accounts at a separate institution is that you can just, a, a, a quick check says, okay, I need to have um, 30 days or 60 days worth of expenses in bank account number one. I know what that number is. I can always look and see what that is. Then my de- delayed spending, I know what those are, and my emergency funds. An interesting thing that I've observed, the other thing that I would encourage you to do as, as you're, you're looking for something to do, it's Saturday morning and you've got your, your pad and your pen and you're, and you're making your list here, I would write down kind of what, I would write it out. Like our bank account number one, we need this much money in bank account number one uh, for this takes care of 30 days or 60 days of expenses normally. And then I would have my delayed spending, that's bank account number two or bank accounts number two. Yep. And um, and then your emergency fund. But then I would also um, have it committed to writing if the emergency fund is three to six months of living, whatever it is. Because I've seen where um, relationships. I've even seen it in my own household, where there was a strong desire to buy something, and one of the parties said, "No, I don't think this is a good time for us to buy that thing. And where are we going to get the money anyway?" And then all of a sudden, if you if you don't have strong guiding principles and it's in in and there's not commitment from both parties, it's kind of it's easy to raid that thing. Yeah. It's, it's very tempting for sure. Um, can I add one thing here as well? You said keep it FDIC insured, Mike. Mm-hmm. I would say keep it liquid as well. There are some FDIC insured vehicles like a CD that's really not that liquid. I want this to be accessible to you the moment you need it, not uh, three months from now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That's one of, that's one of my my rules as well. And listen, for those of you uh, that maybe are engineers, you might say, FDIC insured, so I can't do NCUA? No, you can do NCUA. It's fine. <laughs> it, well, it, needs, it needs to be insured. It needs to be guaranteed. But I completely agree, Josh. It does need to be liquid. Do you need one in retirement? If you don't have one, how do you get started? Well, there's lots of other questions. We've got that and more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. When you retire, do you need a an emergency fund? 
or are, are you there? Like, did you make it? And you say, hey, I don't, I don't need this discipline anymore. We're going to answer that question and several others right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name's Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast wherever you listen, whether that's iTunes or Spotify, wherever. Just go to your favorite podcast platform and search the Wise Money Show and subscribe to it there. And do me a favor, when you're there, give us a rating as well and give us some feedback. We appreciate that. Okay, so we're talking about the Financial Confidence Account, aka the Emergency Fund. And well, let's just throw this out there. Lots of questions hit, but let me throw out the one in retirement. I get this a lot as we help people all day, every day uh, transition from earning a paycheck to replacing that paycheck with their investments they've saved up. When you get when you get to leave work and retire, you still need an emergency fund? You know, I, I do get that question periodically from clients, and I know we've gotten it on the show before. Um, I, I always point back to the purposes of an emergency fund. Um, you know, we, we share that, yes, an emergency fund is to cover larger than expected um, expenses like house expense, car expense, health expense, maybe the death of a loved one. Those are the big ticket um you know, expenses that you, you just wouldn't place on a calendar anywhere. You know, you, you don't know that they're coming, but they could. But the, the, the biggest reason to have an emergency fund is for an interruption to income. And we often um, talk in terms of, well, how long could you live without a paycheck if your last paycheck was your last paycheck, right? How, how long could you go without taking drastic action in your financial life? And that's one of the reasons why we often say that if you're going to size it properly, you, you need to be somewhere in the neighborhood of three to six months worth of, of living expenses, um, depending on whether or not you and a spouse are both working or you've got more than one stream of income. Well, if, if that's the main reason, interruption to income it's the main cause for someone to need to dip into an emergency fund. The question would be, well, does that ever happen in retirement? And I would argue that potentially it does. Um, you know, sometimes if if a big chunk of your income is coming from your investment portfolio, that is on its own form of a roller coaster ride. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. There are periods of time where maybe the, the wisest thing that you could do is hit the pause button on the money pulling out of those investment accounts, but you have to be able to still live, right? Uh, you, many people um, would recognize that Social Security is not going to cut it in retirement. Yeah. And so you have to have dependable income coming out of your portfolio, but there are some times where you just want to let it go, let it rebound. And the folks who have the strongest retirement um, confidence level, I guess, are the ones who have cash to fall back on to let their investments rebound from time to time. See, I would agree. I'm curious what you think, Kevin. At the same time, and maybe it's just your radio voice is activated, Josh. I just, you said that very strongly. And I, I've seen people go through retirement just fine without a big, big swath of cash sitting there. Now, having some some there for margin and for those those times when you want to when you have a little or need a little extra cash that's helpful but at the same time most people get to retirement because they're ready to step away from that paycheck and like you said the primary reason for an emergency fund is to replace your paycheck and it, and you've done that when you get to retirement 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know that it necessarily depends, but I'd be tempted to say it depends. Part of what it depends on is what is your what are your sources of fixed income? And the other thing is some folks, I've observed this, some folks make it look easy. Some folks just have complete mastery and control over their finances and expenses, and they just make it look easy. So the world never creates an emergency for them that they're not ready for. And they um, just, cool hand Luke, they just absolutely can handle anything that comes at them. Um, and other folks I, I have observed, um, it's almost no matter how much money goes towards lifestyle living expenses, it's it's always just not quite enough. And so it's it it is it's an it's interesting to see that. But I w- I would look at a couple of things. Number one is what is what's my what's my fixed income, and the other is how's my portfolio structure because yeah. it's very likely that the first the the if you're in retirement, the next year or two or three are are almost very liquid as it stands right now. Again, that depends on what are your sources of fixed income and what are what are what's your expense level and a number of other factors. So I do like the idea of saying, no, just maintain the discipline of the three bank account system and know that if bank account number one has more than I need in it, I can either push it to bank account number two or three, or I can put it back in the investments. And I have a lot of folks that once they get to retirement, when you think about retirement, um, when you were working, you had money and no time. And when you retire, you have time and no money. Hmm. Now, neither of those are perfectly true, but that's kind of the idea. And so some folks who like to spend a lot of time uh, making sure that they're managing the financial aspect, they they don't need, they might not need nearly as much, let's just say. You know, one other variable that could influence whether or not someone can get by without an emergency fund, um, you, you mentioned the structure of their portfolio. I would point to also the structure of their investment accounts themselves. Is it all IRA money? Is it some Roth IRA money? Do they have some um, liquid joint accounts with their, with their spouse? I've known some clients that they saved just um, masterfully throughout their working career, but they did it all into the 401k. They get to retirement. Every single dollar in their nest egg is IRA money that has never been taxed before. And so anytime that there's an emergency that comes up or a big ticket item that comes up, that is the place that they go, which can really swing their tax planning from year to year as well. Absolutely. So it's it's nice when there's at least some sort of resources built up outside of those retirement accounts that's already been taxed. It's fully liquid. You can get your hands on it when you need it. And um, you, you know it, it gives you confidence, as we've said. Right, because to your point, Josh, if you need a big chunk of money for an expense that was unexpected that came up, depending on where your income is, if you don't have non-retirement money, if it's all IRA money that you have to pull money out of, you could push yourself into a position where you're paying a a premium for your Medicare Part B without Mm -hmm. even realizing what you just did to yourself. Right. Right. Okay, so let's. We've been talking about emergency fund in retirement. Let's just go back to emergency fund period. It, while in your working career, is a Roth IRA 
can you consider your Roth IRA an emergency fund? And you, and some of you might think, well, why? why? Why would you? Well, you can actually pull the basis out of your Roth IRA really at any time. So, and, it, and that's a little jargon. The money that you contributed in, not the growth, the money that you contributed, you can pull back out. So is that an emergency fund? You know, to, to me, it is a place where you could go get your hands on some resources. It shouldn't be your primary emergency fund, though, because for it to uh, satisfy some of those requirements that we recommended earlier, it needs to be liquid. It needs to be safe. Most Roth IRA money is invested money. It's positioned for the long-term goals. It's growth-oriented, which means it can be up and down from year to year um, or month to month. And what if it happens to be down at a time when the emergency occurs? Yeah, right. and you said most. It better be invested. I mean, the Roth IRA, the tax, the tax benefit is on the growth. It better be invested in a manner that gives you long-term growth opportunity. And so, right, it it's it's not liquid and it's not safe. And therefore, yes, it's an option for you to go grab if you're in a dire situation, but not not for an emergency. We've got several other questions here about the emergency fund from fans of the show. We've got that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thanks for being with us today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you've missed anything on today's episode or want to catch up on any previous episode, go to the YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search Wise Money Show, subscribe to the sh- to the channel there, and you'll get every episode of the Wise Money Show as well as all of other uh, videos that we create. We do several each week, breaking down individual topics and applying them to your situation. So go to YouTube, search Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there, and you can leave questions there as well. Okay, so a couple additional questions here that we get from clients and we've gotten from fans of the show in the past about the emergency fund before we transition topics. What about the line of credit? You know, I, I remember back in the day, actually, so 20 years ago, um, if you can place yourself there, uh, tech stocks were just previously valued as high as they are today, and they had dropped, you know, very, very quickly, but your house was rising in value. And so the line of credit on your house was, um, oh, it was quite the financial instrument. Everyone had one and was using it. And there was this question that came up a lot about, well, is a line of credit, is that the same as an emergency fund? And now we've gone through the 08 financial crisis, 09 financial crisis. And so we haven't had that come up that much. But now here we are where houses have grown in value significantly. Is the line of credit against the equity of your house a fair substitute for an emergency fund? Yeah, it, it, again, in the, this political season, uh, I, it, at the risk of sounding like a politician, I would say it depends. I think there are a couple of emer, emergency fund substitutes that you could have. And I've seen this depending on what people are working on. So you might have bank account number one, the inflow and outflow. I need to have a certain amount there so I don't bottom out 
with cash flow. And then my delayed expenses, okay, once a year I have to pay property taxes, twice a year I have to pay insurance, I'm saving towards a new roof, whatever the delayed expenses you might have. But then when you look at the emergency fund, I've had some folks say, listen, I'm, I want to be so aggressive on my student loan debt and trust that I'm not going to have an emergency. Uh, or if I do have an emergency, I'll, I'll figure out a way to navigate that. So I'm going to use my credit card that I've got a $15,000 credit limit on that I have no, no balance on that credit card right now. And so if worse comes to worse comes to worse, I'll pull up my credit card and use that. That is, that to me is not the recommended approach. It is an approach. If you looked from uh, conservative to aggressive, that's on the far end of aggressive because that's how you can quickly uh, get spiraled down. You know, uh, when a python bites you, their teeth are are pointed back the other way, so you the the animals, the creatures can't pull out. Oh, that's gross. I know. But that's the picture of what, what using credit cards does to you. It's got you, and it's it's painful to pull out of the grasp of that because you say, I use my credit card unless I'm using it every month and paying it off every month, and it's tied to my checking account, so I'll never uh, extend beyond a one-month period. Um, a, credit cards are just playing with fire. And fire is great. It can heat your home. It can help you cook food. It can do all kinds of other things. And it can burn your house down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would say be careful about a credit card. I like the home equity line of credit as something. And again, so if you said credit card, home equity line of credit, uh, another thing that could be if your 401k has a loan provision, yeah, right. that could be, an, an, I, but I would call that an emergency, emergency, emergency. Yeah. Uh, y- you describe these as substitutes to an emergency fund. I might use the word a supplement to the emergency fund because, in my opinion, it shouldn't be a replacement to. And I know that's not what you're saying. You still need the emergency fund. But if if having money in the bank, three to six months worth of your living expenses, liquid and accessible at all times, if you have an emergency that causes you to burn through all that cash, then what? What, what's the next line of defense that you could have to help get you through this crisis or, or true emergency? And maybe a home equity line becomes an extra safety net below the primary safety net even. Yeah. Um, it, we, we talked about a Roth IRA. Yeah. Could you tap into it if you absolutely had to? You could get at some of the money, the money that you contributed, you could get back out without taxes, without penalty. Um, so that could be a supplement. It could be a place to go. But all of these things have consequences, which is what you're saying, Kevin, that uh, playing with fire, I, I like that, that metaphor. Sometimes it's what you have to do, but don't put yourself in a position where you have to rely on debt for an emergency. Yeah. You know, that's kind of like getting kicked while you're down. You, you had an unfortunate <laughs> event in life, and now you're digging a hole financially as well. Man, that's rough, and it's hard to dig out of as well. I, with, with all of those, with all of that caution, I would I would tell you it seems it seems because of those temptations, the home equity line of credit is not uh, is not used as much as it probably should be. Oftentimes, when we're doing so, your your certified financial planner should provide you with clarity, confidence, and creativity. And when there's a financial situation that has come up and and we're working with clients, I find myself, not frequently, but enough, 
where it's, well, I would do these sorts of things, but do you have that home equity line of credit in place just in case? And in the common answer these days is no, I don't. And, uh, and I'm, I'm cobbler's kids without shoes here. I, I actually don't have mine in place. When we refinanced a couple years ago, I was like, yeah, we'll get around to it. And I, I think right now it's a supplement. It's a not a substitute, but it's another line of defense if something happens. And that might be your next wise step today is go out and get that line of credit in place and then, you know, don't ever use it. But yeah. this sort of ties into the next question from fans of the show, and that is, do you ever use your emergency fund for non-emergencies? And you know which one I'm doing a lot of? It's, well, listen, we've got the mortgage down to this, you know, to 50 grand. And what do you think? We've got, you know, 40 grand emergency fund. We've got a little extra cash here, a little extra cash here. I know my mortgage interest rate is 2.5%, but gosh, I'm earning nothing in the bank. Should I go ahead and do that? And I love that strategy. I actually do. But I like having a line of credit in place because, all right, if you throw all your cash on that mortgage and then you realize, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have done that in the short term before you build that cash back up, um, you can go out and, quote, unquote, you know, recreate your mortgage by using the home equity line of credit. You also have to be honest about whether or not you have the discipline to build the cash back up as fast as you need to. Yeah. Because sometimes when all of a sudden there's this relief in your cash flow, uh, there, there's margin created because the mortgage is gone, sometimes it's, it's natural, it's human nature to let the lifestyle creep a little bit, sure. and it doesn't all get captured for building the, the emergency fund back up. But yeah, I, I've had clients where that's the recommendation that I've given as well because I know they they're fueled by savings like they in, they enjoy savings it's it's something that's fun for them even i actually took a call from um a client in florida uh that brad miller one of our cfps uh serves and uh it's a client that i um uh he, he and i have worked on together so i was familiar with their situation they had this question come up mm. should we um use some of our emergency fund dollars because um, they, they were doing a, a remodeling project. This particular client is a former uh, builder himself. So he, he knew what the cost of this new kitchen project down in Florida in their condo was going to be. He needed the money pretty promptly. Um, and he, he was questioning whether or not he should just pull the money out of his IRA. And my, my recommendation to him was, what if we used a little bit out of the IRA right now and a little bit out of the emergency fund just to get you through to the end of the year, and then we take more money out of the IRA? And the, the idea was rather than take one big chunk out of the IRA this calendar year, we could spread it out over two calendar years and actually keep him in a position where he pays no tax in either year. Yep. instead of paying some tax tax this year. So the only reason he was even capable of doing that is because he had the discipline of building up this emergency fund. It created an oppor a tax planning opportunity for him to temporarily use this money. Um, it's not an emergency. You know, these weren't emergency cabinets that he needed to buy. Um, but it, it allowed him to just postpone a distribution out of the IRA. And if an emergency can comes up in the next month or two before the end of the year, that's okay. He can still tap into his IRA if he needs to. Yeah. Uh, what about, you know, we're talking about sort of some altruistic reasons to use your emergency fund. 
what about the uh, emergency, I need new tires? Or the, you you called it a Disney emergency. There's never a Disney <laughs> I'm emergency. I'm just picking Josh. on you. I, I don't know, Mike. There's, uh, but I, sometimes I, I do get the itch and I got to go I, see. I Nikki. know, but, but you have heard it framed that way. Mike, well, we have been working so hard. And if we just, if we don't go to Disney and take the whole kids and the extended family and the aunts and uncles and the cousins and the dogs and cats, if we don't get everyone down there, we're just. We're probably going to fall completely apart. Yeah. So we just need to do this, and we'll figure out a way p- to pay for it when we get back. Well, that might be true this year. Uh, mental <laughs> health uh, <laughs> has been a struggle for most of uh, us human beings this but, year. But, but could you rationalize? You can rationalize lots of expenses. And yeah. I'm saying this because I'm talking into a microphone, not looking right at you in the eyes where I care about you and want the best for you and want you to enjoy life. But I can, I can tell you... And a, uh, uh, from a principled basis, we can justify lots of expenses as emergencies when truly they're not an emergency. The one mm-hmm. that I love to pick on is tires mm-hmm. because it always seems like it comes up at an inopportune time um, as, you know, we just put new tires on Cindy's car. And yet at the same time, you know, they last about four years. Yeah. You know, it's 60,000 miles, the, maybe. The clock is ticking it, on like, those tires, we right? Don't, it's not that it's a true emergency. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the day or the month that it shows up, that's an emergency. But the year or the simple fact that you're going to need to replace your tires, that's not an emergency. Yeah, just because you have a car crisis doesn't mean that you, it has to be a financial crisis, right? And the, the whole way that you avoid emergencies or financial crises coming up when life throws something at you is by planning ahead for those expenses, just like the emergency. Which is the three bank account system. You know, we're not talking about this um, from, you know, our, our ivory towers and saying anyone that's ever justified an expense out of the emergency fund is wrong. We've all done it, but it's the three bank account system. That's the antidote. But when you think about the tires, this is why you do want to be saving ahead is because if there's a time when you can get an $80 rebate if you buy a set of four tires, you want to do that. There's a there's going to be a time after Black Friday where tree stands go on sale. And so you say, well, so do you, do you, do you buy them before deer season or do you buy them after deer season? Right. So if you, can, if, if you can structure things like that, that, it can help. All right. Well, thanks. That is all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.